Hey, welcome to Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, broadening our horizons one movie at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and as usual, I'm here with Michael. Hey, guys. And Jason. Hey, everyone. What's up, guys? How you doing? Doing great. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, this is a very special episode of Genre Exposure. Uh, it's releasing out of our usual schedule and our usual weird time displacement thing we're yeah, in. Yeah, what's up with that? So, who are we? <laughs> Where are we at? <laughs> we don't have a name for these yet. It might be called a bonus episode. I was thinking of maybe if we do the video store motif and call them, like, After Hours, or I don't know. Where we review pornography. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. But the point of these is they will release on our off weeks, because we, we have our format for our main episodes, and they're cool. We like that... We've not got a ton of feedback, but we have had a lot of positive stuff from people. So Maybe you hate it. <laughs> <laughs> we like it. So you in, hate so it. So until we have a problem or we get a sense that listeners have a problem, that's pretty locked in stone. And we are on a delay because we don't want to ever miss an episode. So I think what Dead and Buried just dropped, and we're like four or five episodes ahead of that in recording. We're back to the future. Mm. So part of the problem with that is we can never be like timely if we really want to be. And part of these bonus episodes is so that we can be timely about stuff, and it's to cover anything that's not just doing, like, here's my movie pick, let's dig in. Right. So that could be if we get a bunch of questions, if we want to talk about, like, a broader topic, like a certain filmmaking style, or maybe, like, what it's like collecting movies, or I don't know, whatever, anyone that something want, people want us to talk about. Mm-hmm. Or that uh, Jason and Dustin Twin Peaks argument that's supposed to come at some point. Ooh. One day, yeah. Um, you know, when convention season starts back up again and we can actually go to them, it would be cool to cover some. We get the opportunity to yeah, go to them. Absolutely. Um, or what we're doing today. So we finally got our first, like, message from a listener. From beyond. Yes, from <laughs> wow. out there in the aether. <laughs> from the beyond. Um. And so from the start, we've had this whole thing of like, hey, request us a movie to watch. We would like to sometimes watch stuff that listeners tell us to. Hell yeah. So we finally got that. But it was from a filmmaker. And they're like, hey, I'm a new filmmaker. Watch my film. We'd love it if you'd cover it. And since it's, you know, it is like a first time filmmaker, it didn't seem right to just put it in our normal cycle of like whatever movies we watch. It seemed worthwhile to me to kind of pull it out and let this be our first bonus episode that we work on. So just to break this down, uh, it is Austin Allen James, and he's a filmmaker out of California, uh, came across our show and just wondered if we would review his film, check it out. Uh, it's a micro-budget sci-fi horror film. Uh, it was shot in 2019. It was meant to release at a bunch of film festivals, but of course many of those got canceled. Oh shit, wait, this was shot in 2019? Yes. Interesting. Yeah, so put a pin in that for later. Yeah. Um, Didn't know that. So this whole like film festival push you know, fell apart, and in the end, they decided to just release it onto YouTube and just try to grassroots, go around, promote it, get as many eyes on it as they can. And so they've been reaching out to people to be like, hey, can you watch my movie? Can you write a review, do a review, do something? Happy to do it. So yes, we are happy to accommodate. I'll watch about anything, man. You know, we are not a big podcast. We have a very tiny following. We're very new still. But I think, like, you know, we have no Hollywood connections. We have no real clout or big fan base. What we do have is a lot of passion and sincerity. And a lot of things to say. (laughs) And and always a lot of things to say. And so I think that is what we can offer. And from the start, this is something I know that I have wanted to do with this podcast. And I think you guys both, too, is just to, like, be able to get out there and help promote stuff. Absolutely. And push eyes toward these kind of things. Yeah. I love film. I think that sometimes, well, not sometimes, but I think a lot of times with the way it is to make a movie right now, Mm -hmm. it's to get anything seen, it's a pain in the ass. Yes. Because you either have to know somebody, be connected to somebody, or be willing to just completely sell yourself. Yeah. To get anything out there. And there's a lot of great filmmakers out there doing a lot of really cool shit for no money. Mm-hmm. And they, I mean, they may not be to the place that we're used to seeing things, mm-hmm. but damn, if you can't see potential in that, like support artists. Yeah. If you're not paying attention to the whole indie world, you're missing out on a lot. There's yeah, so there, many, there, there, there's so much more stuff beyond standard Hollywood fare. <laughs> Absolutely. And so for this bonus episode, it's going to mostly be like our usual fare where we're just covering a movie, but we are covering this film. So it is Who's With Me from 2021. 
And like a normal episode, we will get into spoilers with the plot. Mm-hmm. This is the most accessible probably anything we've covered has been. You can just go on YouTube. You can search Who's With Me, Who's With Me Film. You'll find it right away. Michael already loves it because it's free on it was YouTube. Free. It is 100% free. It was free 99 So you can easily go watch this before we go any further. I implore you to do so. It's, I think it's, it's worthwhile. It's only an hour and 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. It won't take that much time. Um, if not, in our show notes, we'll have the links for you there. It'll be very easy to get at. Awesome. So who's with me? Uh, We're both with you. We're here with you, Dustin. As I said, it's (laughs) written and directed by Austin Allen James. It is his first feature. It is a made on a micro budget. So that is any film with an extremely low budget, typically only a few thousand dollars. And this production in specific, it's estimated at being about 1500 for its budget. Which I'm curious if that was just a month's rent. (laughs) <laughs> like they were, they were like, well, this is some guy's apartment. So yeah, I wasn't shot in one of their friend's apartments. And I think it's what it said. So I guess, yeah, it's like, well, we technically have to include the rent for the apartment. So that's <laughs> yes. the cost of the film. Uh, as for the synopsis, Marcus, an average young man awakens to find his apartment under quarantine and completely isolated from the outside world. Ominous messages about toxins and evacuations plaster each screen on his electronic devices leaving his next-door neighbor as the only person he has contact with. Scared and with few resources, the two try to navigate their way through the indefinite wait, staving off hunger, boredom, and paranoia. Now I'm completely shocked, though, that this was shot in 2019. So immediately, the first thing is like, oh, this guy decided to make a movie about the COVID pandemic. Yeah, let's make a pandemic movie during a pandemic. Right, makes sense. But you're wrong. This film is, like, incredibly forward-thinking, because it was shot in 2019 ahead of all of this stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of blew. Like that kind of shocked me when you said that because everything that Marcus does in this film is like what everyone <laughs> I know did <laughs> during I the mean, initial yes. stages of lockdown. Unless the director knows something we don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't. I'm only joking. <laughs> Let's not go there, Jason. But yeah. So if you're in that vibe out of the gate for like a pandemic horror, which have been really popular in the wake of everything, this is the next great entry in that line of things to check out. And isn't that one of the great things about horror films, how it can just examine any situation you're in through a certain lens and, mm-hmm. and say so many different things. Absolutely. Yeah. There was, I mean, that thought's gone. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So when our film opens, the very first thing we get is we actually get like a chapter title card. Yes. The film is chaptered, it's in segments, and it's usually we'll have a title, we'll have a little bit of text, and there's two counters for, like, the current time and the time that's elapsed since they've been in quarantine. Mm -hmm. And it's always unknown. It's always unknown. Question about this. How did you guys watch this? Did you watch it on your TV? On TV. Okay. Television, like a civilized person? I did too. Okay. But did you notice the chapter card was a little skewed? On on a television, yes. I checked it out on my computer afterwards, and it was fine. Okay, cool. But yeah, if you watch it on I, your TV, it's a little too wide for the frame. I figured that was the case, that if I watched it on a mobile device or on a computer, that it probably wouldn't be that way. But I was just curious how you guys saw it, because hmm. that's something I saw. I want to say I think that's a YouTube thing and not their fault. Yeah, no, I, I, don't, I don't hold it against them at all. It was just interesting. Curious how that, how that worked. Hmm, yeah. Um... And then immediately we're kind of introduced to our lead, Marcus. Uh, pretty normal, like, 20-something-looking dude. He wakes up kind of out of it in his bed. Uh, his his alarm, the clock's, like, flashing like the power went out at some point. He can't find his phone, which is very relatable to me. I have that problem a lot. <laughs> you, <laughs> wake, not, you wake uh, up and can't find your phone? Yeah, like, I'll fall asleep with the phone in my hand, and then next thing I know it's in the bed, under the bed, across the room. What are you doing, man? <laughs> I don't know. Like mine goes in the same <laughs> spot every single night. I'm the same way. I plug it in and put it right. Next so thing. first thing, it was it's a very real movie to me because of that. I was like, <laughs> yes, I, I can buy I'm this. I'm with you, man. Yeah, I'm with you. I can't find my damn phone either. So a lot of this early part is just kind of him being groggy, getting up, brushing his teeth, you know, making breakfast. Pretty normal. Uh, my man's got good taste. He goes to try to play some GameCube. <laughs> uh, but it it seemingly doesn't work. So he tries to put on the TV, and boom, there's this warning message. Mm-hmm. Your typical, like, you know, the... Emergency broadcast system mm-hmm. thing. And it says, hey, there's a toxic leak outside. It's very dangerous. Stay indoors. Buildings have been sealed. 
your door is unlocked so you can leave whenever it's good, but wait for further notice. Right. So he's freaking out, of course, and he's mm-hmm. trying to find his phone to call someone. <laughs> still can't find his phone. I really like the... I know it's simple, but mm-hmm. I really like the emergency broadcast screen. Yeah. It almost feels... I don't know. It didn't feel quite like real worldy. It almost felt like kind of invaders from space kind of a thing, like somebody that wasn't necessarily human typing that mm. on there. You I know? can see that. Like, I don't know. That's just what I ran into it, and I don't know if that's at all the case, but I thought it was a fun idea to kind of plant and play with in my head. Well, I would say a big mystery kind of as you go through the film is wondering, like, what is really going on? Right. And I think that was one of the thoughts I had is like, whoa, could this be like a Twilight zone kind of like an alien thing? Yeah, very Twilight Zone. I felt this was very, had a very Twilight Zone vibe, yes. for sure. Uh, it's very much like the one location, you know, limited actors, very more psychological than anything, really. Right. So um, after he sees this initial message, though, he's going to bang on the wall, right? Because mm-hmm. he can't find his phone, so he's going to talk to uh, Carol? Yeah. On, on the name? one side, his girlfriend lives next door named Carol, but she's not home. And so he's banging on the wall, yelling for Carol, no answer. Mm-hmm. Which, if I were in that situation, that would already make me uncomfortable because mm-hmm. if it's somebody that I love and care about, okay, why aren't you home? Where are you? Are you okay? Yeah. Have you eaten? That's, <laughs> those are my main questions. Have you eaten? Are you okay? Where are you? But he does hear from his other neighbor, mm-hmm. Aleth. Yes. Who's yelling beyond the, the wall. Yep. Which is such a cool name. It was a good name. Yeah. And I really yeah. want to say, uh, Aleth is played by Emma Julia Jacobs, and she's a very good actress, too. In this film, she is only ever a voice, but you get so much personality out of her, I think. Like, I could really envision her as a person, even though the whole time we only ever hear her speak. Yeah, I pulled her up on IMDb just to put a face to the voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I she I thought she did a really great job. Yeah. She almost, to me, acted like the, um, like, uh, oh, I'm thinking of, like, Moon. Moon. Uh, the one with, uh, oh shit, what's his name? Um, oh, the movie Moon. Yeah, the movie Moon. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, what's his name? I, you don't know who brought it up. I don't know. God damn it. Um, or the, uh, or let's say like uh, Space Odyssey, 2001 Space okay. Odyssey, like the, the voice of the computer. Hal. Yeah, yeah. It almost kind of seems like that sort of thing. Like Sam Rockwell. Sam, thank you. Thank you. I, but I think Spacey was the voice <laughs> of the computer in that one, right? Yes. Yes, unfortunately, it was Kevin Spacey <laughs> as opposed to the computer. Yeah, very different thing. Anyway, I, I, I digress. But no, that was kind of the way I thought of her. It's almost like mm-hmm. the computer voice that's like guiding you through this weird time. And really, that's what, for most of the film, it becomes. It's just the two of them, and they can talk through the walls. There's another character. Don't you leave her out. Oh, yeah. The turtle. Her name is Lady Turtle. Lady Turtle. <laughs> She's pretty awesome. Very cool turtle. She has Pet a kitchen turtle. terrarium. Um, but yeah, so a lot of it is just them kind of corroborating information, getting to know one another. They really develop a good friendship, which I thought was cool. I think in like a weaker made film, they would try to go in the route of like having a relationship. Yeah. Because one of the things you learn early on is there is some tension between Marcus and Carol. Uh, at one point, he kind of, it's much later on, but he reveals that he like bought a ring and that he was going to propose to her. And then they got into a fight and it kind of never happened. And you get this vibe that there's some, like, strain there. So I think in, like, a typical Hollywood film, they would push this, like, oh, maybe I should be with Aleth kind of thing. Yeah, Aleth is the perfect Mm -hmm. one for me. But I respected that, like, it only ever stays as a friendship. And I think that's, like, a good take to make in a film like this. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I I think in my mind I expected it to go for, like, a romantic thing just because Mm -hmm. that's what we've been trained by Hollywood films to go that route. But I'm glad that it didn't. She also has a very cute sounding voice, so that would reinforce your preconception that some sort of romantic thing would happen here. Yeah. But does it, and this might be part of the discussion for a little bit later, did it bother anyone that her voice sounds so clear through a wall? Because it would be much more muffled. Now, there's a reason to make her voice a little bit more clear than normally it would be that, you know, so we could actually understand it. You don't want your Definitely. actor yelling for, you know, an hour and 15 minutes. But did it? put anyone off in any way or raise any flags i never paused to think about it really really Mm. that that was like one of the first things that struck me to me no but the reason being is i never saw she was real never Mm. no What, what was your first like inclination to think that um i think it's just the panic 
mm-hmm. um, that he experiences, and I think it's what your mind does in a panic. As you grasp for something. That's what your mind does in the panic. Yeah. <laughs> Are you projecting? <laughs> I probably. I project in every single one of these goddamn episodes. What do you think? <laughs> but it's what she does for him mm-hmm. is guide him through all the things that everyone knows what you're supposed to do in a, in a situation. Uh-huh. Like about filling your bathtub full of water. About getting as much water as you can. Yeah. Because if it comes to you don't have water anymore... She starts pushing him to all of these like subconscious things mm-hmm. that you kind of already know, but the panic sets in, and you're like, "Fuck, what am I supposed to do?" Okay. Right. So in my mind, like maybe from the from the slightest beginning, I was like, "Okay, here's another neighbor," but that didn't catch me as like something that was as realistic. Which is something about me that I <laughs> no, that, that's actually very interesting because yeah, that is cool. The I wish I had thought of that at first. I don't know why I didn't. Um, because but, you're not as fucked up mentally as I am. Or maybe I'm just not as intuitive as you are, Michael. Well, thanks for that vote of confidence. <laughs> probably the fucked up mentally yeah, The clarity of the voice should have tipped me off. Cause, and this is the thing about micro-budget filmmaking. Sometimes and I, sometimes you don't know what's intentional and what isn't. Mm-hmm. You know, because you got to work with what you've got. You know, and sometimes things don't always come through the way you want. Right. So I wasn't sure if it was an intentional choice, just so we can understand her. Or if it was supposed to be a signal that something else was going on. I guess it's really a question of how thin are those walls, right? Right, right. And if their (laughs) walls were that thin, oh my God, I feel sorry for his neighbors. But what you're talking about makes sense because she also dug the music he was listening to. Mm -hmm. Not many girls are into death metal, you know? Yeah, (laughs) we know that. Nothing nothing wrong with them being, more of them should be. But, and she liked smell of his grass you know she 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 does drugs too it's like she's very did you notice accommodating to his taste and did you notice how she guides him through a lot of his thought processes as Mm. he's struggling with things i notice it now yeah as he's struggling with things that he's trying to figure out in his head mentally about like she almost guides him to the point when he's struggling with carol right she guides him to see that it's okay Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, she's it, probably at work and she's fine. Yeah, that the, the things aren't lost. Like this isn't a lost cause. Like, mm-hmm. why don't you just try again? You know, why don't you? These are like a subconscious type thing that I think that Aleth is telling him, and it, it's almost like she is the voice that's working through these things together. Okay, with him. So cool. yeah. that's why I guess I didn't ever see her as real. Okay, because cool. I don't trust normal human beings <laughs> to be that helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I guess oh, okay. before we go deeper in the story, the last thing I want to say for them, both uh, Ryan Cheryl that plays Marcus and then uh, Emma Jacobs that's Aleth, I think like it's hard when you're in like an indie film with like the acting. I think they both do a very great job in this film because to have these like small talks and little bits of dialogue, it's very hard to make that work and actually feel right and feel okay. And it's a testament, I guess, to uh, the writer-director, Austin Allen James, you have to have it written well, because if it's awkward at all, no matter how good the actor is, it's going to seem weird. Sure. And then the actors have to be able to actually deliver that and make it feel normal and natural. And I know, Jason, you not so much, but Michael, you've seen all these like mumble gore films. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that back and forth. The The <laughs> greatness in those is that they are able to make all the dialogue so natural and normal feeling. Even when it's things that you wouldn't normally hear someone say. Yeah, in a movie. Yeah, it feels... Normal. Now, I do have to say there were a couple lines in Who's With Me that I felt didn't come across as well. Mm-hmm. They felt more like, okay, we ne- I need to drive this story a little bit more, so I need to push this line. Mm-hmm. Those felt a little more cold to me than the ones where you could really just hear the writer writing. Yeah. You could just really hear the dialogue coming off of his out of his fingers and you know, onto the page. Mm-hmm. But then there are others where you're like, well, shit, I need to move the story, so I need to find a way to put a line in here. And that's tough. Right. That's really tough to navigate those waters. Right. I mean, there's people in naturally. Hollywood that just <laughs> can't even do that to start with. So. Yeah. yeah, and that's yeah. the other thing. I mean, these aren't professional actors in this movie. And the the premise is asking a lot yes. of these actors. Somehow I mean, Emperor Palpatine has returned. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Oh no! Uh, <laughs> that is a discussion for another day. That should be a bonus episode. I mean, Ryan Cheryl is the only person really we see in the whole movie. You know, it's his movie. He's Lady Turtle. It. She and, carries and a good Turtle. portion of this film, but he does carry the film. He does carry the film, 
and that that is a lot to ask of an experienced seasoned actor sure you know much less an amateur you know and i think yeah he does a good job and Aleth does a good job. Emma Julia Jacobs, yes. He's pretty... She has maybe even a harder task because we don't get to see her. Right. Everything has to come from her voice. And there are a few deliveries, I think, are a bit, you know, maybe hollow or wooden in some ways. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, overall, it's very impressive. And he's pretty likable, too. I mean, like, there are a couple times where I'm like, eh, not somebody I'd hang out with. (laughs) But a lot of times, though, I did like him. Yeah, you yeah. Know? His his music taste seems to be a bit too eclectic to be realistic, but I mean, maybe there are people like that out there. <laughs> uh, me, I don't know, dude. I don't know. I listen to I listen to shit you don't know about because yeah, you, you don't have it on vinyl. <laughs> well, no, I gave you all my vinyl. <laughs> but yeah, we do get several little musical interludes during the film. The first one being uh, he's starting to stress out a bit, and Aleth encourages him to do something to relax, mm-hmm. and that something is he puts on death metal music and practices boxing. Yeah, I feel that. It was a really awesome scene. I liked how it was done. It was shot interesting, too. Like, it was very artsy, <laughs> yeah. the way it was shot. Like, almost he was the one man in the ring, like, doing his... If they had went just a little crazier with it, Jason, what do you think? Tokyo Fist? A little bit? <laughs> <laughs> the inklings yeah, of it? no, there's definitely a, maybe a little bit of inspiration there. That's something... This is a good point to bring up something else that I was pretty impressed with this movie, because you've got basically what is a play here. It's one setting, one location. Mm-hmm. But the... I think the editing is very, very good here. Yes, it's, it's tight. It's, it's it's busy. It keeps you, without being too kinetic. It, it keeps you interested. Uh, there's a lot of different setups, a lot of different angles. You don't get tired of being in this place. That's a really smart thing to say about that too, because it's it, that's an unconscious thing that you notice that that I that wouldn't come through as if a one man play. Mm-hmm. You know, like if this was a one man play, you linger on something too long, people get bored. Yeah. And this allows you to linger on something, but switch your angles, yeah. switch your views, give you different perspectives on it. But it's also not show offy either. Right. Or, or, yeah, it's not, yeah, it doesn't draw attention to itself. Yeah, no, that's that good editing. That's, that's what a good, editing does. That's a good point. That was very well edited. So our other great musical interlude is this really crazy rap song. It's about <laughs> yeah. like social media and all this stuff. Yeah. And it's it's further in, a lot of days have passed now, and he's kind of losing it a little bit. So he puts on this like mask, he gets a knife, and he just starts to like trash his apartment. Yeah. Yeah, that poor recliner, man. And I definitely that, maybe that was the fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> Could be. We gotta buy a recliner. Well, if you're gonna tear it up, get it at Goodwill. Now. I used to have a recliner that looked a lot like that. My wife wanted to do the same thing to that recliner. <laughs> I remember that recliner. It was a yeah, good recliner. I, know. I, I still, comfortable. I still shouldn't have gotten rid of that. I should have been should've down here in the basement. That was a comfortable but recliner. I think um, with the <laughs> pandemic, like we all know this feeling that he's having. Oh, just like you're, you're sick acutely. of being indoors and you're just ready to tear everything down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's kind of what a lot of us did at the beginning of the pandemic, too. Like, most of what I see from him is is what we saw from people at the beginning of the pandemic. Because it's really, what's being asked of you isn't that bad right now. Right. But it's just so different. And you're like, oh, fuck, how do I cope with this? Well, for a few weeks, everyone's pretty cool. And then yeah. that month passes, and you're like... Yeah, <laughs> now I'm ready to stab a chair and listen to the G-spot. <laughs> and as time's going on, they are getting updates on the message. But it's always just like, oh, keep waiting. There's yeah. plans in order. Right. We'll let you know soon. Yeah. At one point, like the water goes off. He's trying to fill up his cups and stuff, and the water's done. It's like, great. And then it comes back on later, and then he's trying to do the same thing. And a part I really liked is there's a power surge at one point, and it blows out all his light bulbs. <laughs> and so all he has left are these like neon lights from a Halloween party. Mm-hmm. And so for the rest of the film, you have all these interesting colors going on, where it'll be bathed in green, bathed in purple. Very giallo like. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, reminded like me of the old party house that we used to be at all the time. And <laughs> we too. We yeah. It was that so much felt yeah. like that party house that we'd have neon bulbs and, and like. And if anyone thinks it's unusual that he had all these Halloween lights, no, they've no. never been to it's college. It's not unusual at all. <laughs> um, I, I, that was another very clever thing I liked. Mm. Because I bought that explanation. Because often they will try to explain something in a film, and you're just like, right? really, though? And it was another good excuse for a nice visual difference. Mm-hmm. The only reason I don't still have like colorful lights hanging up in spaces in my house is because my wife is like, you're 35 years old, you're not <laughs> yeah. leaving them up anymore. No, that's right. I mean, you know the feeling. We know I that. know it all too well. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Um, so as we're advancing, and we're getting these different chapters, the, the time trackers never update. 
Right. What did you guys think about that? Did, did you have any thoughts like as you were going through the film? Honestly, I think that's one of my one of my few gripes really was the title card stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think it was necessary. And Michael? I'll agree with Jason. I think the title card never changed enough for me. Um, oh. Okay. But what I thought would have been interesting, and this is just something that I took away from it, would have been interesting to see his perspective of how much time had passed. Let me throw you guys out a thing that I noticed. Okay. Uh, those title cards, the chapters, the number of chapters, there's five chapters, mm-hmm. and they correspond to the five stages of grief. Right. Sure. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. Okay. Oh, you didn't know that? You no. didn't catch that? Well, no, because I'm not You the... immediately <laughs> thought that Aleph wasn't real. <laughs> but you didn't notice all the title cards was the stages of grief. I didn't yeah. pay that much and, attention. And subtly in the little messages on the side, they kind of like compose to make that clear to you. Oh, well, I... Yeah, okay. <laughs> but I think uh, my, my issue with the title cards was that, unlike the editing and the lighting, it came across as being very unnatural. It was a mm-hmm. little too artificial. Uh, okay. That that was my interpretation of that, my okay. feeling regarding that. I liked them, but Sono does that all the time, so I'm, yeah, okay. I I see it, and I'm just like, yep, I'm in. Well, I'll take, it, take <laughs> a shot on the bonus episode. <laughs> Let, let's do this chaptered shit. I love it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. And so that... That brings me to the point to think when did so what during what chapter does he try to break out of the apartment? So that's the final stage. Well, no, there's like the one where he's got his hammer and mm. he's trying to hammer through this um, protective layer over the window. Mm-hmm. I wonder what. Right, so, so the stages are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Mm-hmm. So I think when he tries to break out, that's, anger? that's more through the middle part of the film, right? So that's probably anger or bargaining. Sure. I don't remember quite. Okay. Well, that, that threw us off just a tiny bit. But still, it makes me think now, like, watching it, I wish I would have realized that. I, I do believe that, like, chapter to chapter, he kind of embodies each step along the way. Yeah. Right. To some degree. Okay, so... I see your mind is like working now. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, because new information. Now I'm thinking through the things that I saw mm-hmm. and wonder, and I wish I would have put those more into correspondence with the stages of grief, and then also with the stinger at the end of the film that puts it in a different perspective. And okay, so let's so getting further in, like they kind of start to go crazy a little bit. They're losing their cool on things. Hungry, running out of food, running out of food, getting low on supplies. Um, they've had a few more, you know, tender moments where they've talked about their background and their past. Um, you really, there's a part where Marcus really kind of goes through a lot of regrets of like stuff he wished he would have done. He starts to worry like if he'll ever get to like do certain things or not. Mm-hmm. He got the ring for his girlfriend, mm-hmm. never gave it to her, still sitting in a box. And you know, another thing about this whole setup <laughs> that kind of struck me on a personal level is like, uh, you know, here around where we live, we have the army depot. And they have, like, the nerve gas and stuff, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. <laughs> So, like, this whole idea that there's, like, a toxic leak and you have to stay indoor, it made me think of that because, like, growing up all this time, we've always been told, like, you know, any day this could happen mm-hmm. and there's here, no these evacuation procedures or the yeah. shelter-in-place yep. orders. Yep. yep. So it actually kind of, like, hit me very personally, this entire situation that he's going through. Mm-hmm. For sure. Because we used to get um, – they haven't done this in a long, long time – but when they were doing awareness campaigns for that, they used to send out um, like packages yeah. to everybody's house where you would Those get preparedness kits. Yeah, we, we've still got one. It's sitting upstairs. Does it? Okay. Well, they used to send like the shittiest scissors and like <laughs> yeah, it's like a bunch of plastic you're supposed to put on your window. Mm-hmm. Most everybody here though and just got the pla- took the plastic into giant slip and slides. Well, <laughs> that was, like all anybody ever so, did with the plastic. A, a mutual friend of ours, uh, he he had mentioned because we were talking about that one day, and he said, "Yeah, that plastic is just to wrap bodies up in." <laughs> cool, cool. That cool. always stuck with me. Cool, cool, that, cool, cool, yeah, cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's not going to do shit. That's just to wrap up the bodies with. Great, great. I'm like yeah, all right. Fuck. <laughs> and so I guess as we're moving further in the film, there are some gaps in logic we should talk about that they actually bring up. Like Aleth questions him if he remembers the last thing he was doing, because he says, you know, no, I just remember I woke up in my apartment. Right. And she says, I can remember that I was driving home. And then I don't remember the rest. Right. right. And so you start to wonder, again, it's like, 
is it like an alien scenario? Is it some weird mm-hmm. like government thing going on? I mm-hmm. had a ten Cloverfield Lane mm-hmm. vibe going with that kind of thing a lot too. Hmm. Okay. And to me, that was another strength of this film is they really they really keep you wondering till kind of the final moments what's really going on. Well, we'll get to that. I was, <laughs> so now you've got me thinking, and I was over here on my phone trying to look up the meaning of the name Aleth. Like, mm-hmm. does Aleth mean something that I missed? I think it's like Proud Warrior or something, isn't it? I don't know. I couldn't find it. Well, I, I looked it up, <laughs> and it's like an old Gaelic name, I think. And it's like Proud Warrior. Okay, never mind. I okay. I just figured, like, my luck, it would be something like, um, She Who Guides. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, well, I, just, I thought it sounded like a cool name for a D&D character. Yeah, so that's true. Like, yeah. Yeah, um, that one down. So eventually things escalate, and Aleth decides that she's had enough. Yes. And she's leaving. <laughs> she's leaving. Well, leaving. She didn't actually leave, though, did she? No. No. The implication is that she commits suicide. Yeah. Right. I, I fear she hanged herself. Yeah. Well, and so then we see Marcus. Yeah, he really spirals at this point. Yeah, Marcus tries to punch through the walls. Mm-hmm. Like, right. I need to get to you to stop you. Like, you can't do this. But once... Which I watched this with Tiffany, and the whole time is like, she keeps going, oh, they should just knock down the walls and hang out together. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Well, I saw his toolkit, and he didn't really have a lot no, that was going to no, do much no. for that. So. Um, but earlier, when he gets uh, he gets out the ring that he was going to give Carol, and in his little like storage box, there's a gun. Right. And so, uh, well, the opening scene starts with the shot on the gun, right? Well, the, the opening starts, scene starts with the shot of the gun, and also the same sound effect you hear at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But uh, so once she's gone, he kind of loads the gun. You start to be like, oh, oh no, is he going to commit suicide? Right. And you really see him kind of struggle with that in the final act of the film. Right. He messes up his apartment, though, throughout the thing. Like, just starts tearing up everything. If you're a vinyl lover, you know, take heart. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. I don't think they were real. Yeah, I'm sure it wasn't. Better not no self-respecting vinyl collector would be like, wait, 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 you can't do that. He does. I was a little upset the way he was just handling his records. I was like, oh, God, stop. You're touching him too much. <laughs> the part where he uh, he blowtorches the one was oh, pretty yeah, cool, too. Yeah. I'm sure that was it's like a cool a, visual. Yeah. That was a very interesting blowtorch to have, though, with mm. the his with his uh, toolkit, because that blowtorch is like a $50 blowtorch, just so you know. <laughs> and But then I got to thinking, though, that's probably something that maybe someone who's really into marijuana might have. But... <laughs> And I'm not, so I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's more of something for that. I don't know. But I, I think it's for a Selvia. <laughs> but the the crafts person in me was like, "That's a really nice blowtorch. I need to have that." Or maybe that was from craft services because you do see those used a lot on Crimble. You think they had craft like services? You think that's where the fifteen hundred dollars went to? I don't know. <laughs> you don't judge them. Maybe they were like, "We're going to make a movie, but we're going to feed you well." I think craft services is probably the deli around the corner. <laughs> that's probably pretty good, though. Hey, what else could you want? Yeah, yeah I'm right there with you. I mean, it's Dustin. <laughs> Taco Bell's around the corner. Hey. Like, how much will fifteen hundred dollars get me, Taco oh Bell? <laughs> <laughs> you own the store now, sir. <laughs> Oh, my. Oh, well. Okay, anyway. So, in the end, he comes to a different conclusion. Mm-hmm. He had toyed with it at first. He decides he's just going to go outside. But not alone. He takes his turtle. Nope. He rounds up Lady Turtle. I think it's smart he took Lady Turtle, because yeah. I would have been upset if he left Lady Turtle, because who's going to feed Lady Turtle? I got nervous when he picked her up at first, because I was like, oh, no. Is this like a, like he's going to do something to the turtle, then kill himself? Like, suddenly become some horrible how, how bleak is it going to go, you know? Like, uh, fuck, like a star is born, you know, he fix the, fixes the dog a steak and then mm-hmm. hangs himself, yeah. so it's like... Please don't do that. For, Lady, for a split second, I was nervous. Lady Turtle needs you, Marcus. <laughs> she needs you. But no, together, they uh, open the front door, and we can't really see what's outside. Yeah. It's just kind of you know white light out there. Right. And it pans around, and it's daytime. Yep, he passes through. the apartment is intact. Mm-hmm. Looks per- normal. The windows are not shuttered in any way. Perfect condition. Mm-hmm. And we cut to our credits. Yes. And at the very end... There's the sound effect of a car crash. Well, you texted me, or you texted us, like, stay through the stinger. And I was like, fuck, I didn't Well, no, I, I had asked, like, hey, did uh, have you watched it yet, Jason? And you were like, nah. And I was like, I know you. Watch all the way through the credits and don't, like, mute it or anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you said that, I was expecting a bit more. Because, as I said, it was the same sound effect that was at the beginning. Right. And I mean, I mean, I remember I had this. I had the memory of the sound effect in my head from the beginning. See, I didn't really register it in okay, the opening. You didn't, okay. I didn't either. I, I found the ending to be a bit redundant with that sound. I again. just thought that was like something going on outside or something. Okay. 
it didn't really like hit me at all. I, th- I thought it was fairly intentional. Okay, so maybe it's good he included it twice. So that kind of, but when I went back and then I pulled it up on my phone, I was like, fuck, I didn't listen to that. <laughs> so I pulled it up on my phone and went to the end of it, and then I heard the car crash again. And then I thought of the movie uh, Triangle. Yeah, great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that whole film was kind of dealing with her death, I guess, like in this, sure. and that maybe she was in a purgatory mm-hmm. type of thing. But yeah, now that. Shit, now it all makes sense. And I, and I think that's that's another strength of this film is like you can look at it on one level where it's just like people trapped in a pandemic. And it's like, yeah, it is. And you see them go through all of that and all of the struggles and everything. But there's this whole other layer now with this context where suddenly you look at some of the stuff and it's like, why isn't there time being counted on the chapter cards? Maybe there is no time right. where they are. Sure. Yeah. Uh, interesting thing, like in a Clive Barker interview recently – um, he just talked about being in a coma mm-hmm. for as long as he was. And he's like, um, you don't have any sense of time right there. Like for you, you've gone to sleep. And then the next thing, you know, you're awake and you have no sense of time Yeah, as to how long you've been there. So yeah, for somebody in their own mind, or even when we think about when we dream, we don't actually have a sense of how long we've been dreaming. Yeah. Right. Like the dream could feel like it's been going on for three hours, but it was only, only you know, a minute. <laughs> yeah. Junji Ito has a great uh, short about that. It's called Long Dream. It's huh. a person, they get this condition where the more they sleep each time, they keep having like year and year long dreams. Oh, interesting. And they start to worry that they're going to like lose their memories of the real world hmm. as it keeps like stretching out. Interesting. I'll have to check yeah. that one out. I'm not sure if the uh, writer director had this much intended for this film, but we've definitely put a lot into it, I think. <laughs> well, I, I've, got, I've got more to go along with this uh, little like through line, okay? So. When you look back in this context, um, there's the weirdness of how they're there. They don't know how they got there. Right. Sure. a last thing that she remembers is that she was driving. We get a little context about Marcus at one point where he's taking medication, and he tells her, like, oh, this, these are my last pills. They're my liver. Yeah, and yeah. She, says, she says, what's it for? And he's like, oh, I've got a liver problem. So then that's the little thing, like, hmm, how does he have a liver problem? It could be something natural. Or could it be caused from something? Maybe like excessive drinking. He had a lot of beer pong cups. Yeah, he had a lot of beer pong cups. He, you know, he does smoke weed. He's mentioned that he's done other drugs in the past. And that made me wonder too, like if the whole thing was a drug trip, mm-hmm. because when they talk about, I guess it was shrooms that they were eating or something like that. Yeah, you know, and he's having that like acid trip or whatever. So then you've got the story chaptered. It's the stages of grief, which we've already talked about. There was a key scene when he's talking about Carol. Uh, very later on, I think it's one of the first times that Ayla thinks about committing suicide and they're kind of going back and forth. And exactly what he says to her is don't leave me too. And I didn't think about it at first until the credits and I was kind of backtracking and I was like, why does he say don't leave me too? And it made me wonder if perhaps Carol's already not with him. Ah, oh, interesting. And he's yeah. failed to mention that to her. Hmm. Like he can't accept that or something. Right, right. So to me, it almost puts together this other scenario where it's like his relationship has gone bad with Carol. They've separated. He's kind of fallen into like maybe drinking or something like that. And then he's been involved in this crash. And a lot of this film is this sort of like purgatory of him working through himself, his emotions, his memories and everything that's happened to like reach a conclusion. Sure, sure. And that conclusion is that he tries to go on and go forward through the door proverbially walking into the light. Right. Yeah, or if it's, you know, something that he's fighting to come back from mm-hmm. or whatever and that he finally gets the strength to, to fight it or, you know, what. there's a lot of different ways to interpret right. that. But this could be interpreted as a purgatory yeah. type of a, a place. So, Which is totally our wheelhouse. Yeah. <laughs> given some yeah. of our other films we've covered. No doubt. Um, but I think um, your significant other had a, a, a good review of this movie, oh. right? <laughs> yeah, uh, Tiffany did watch this with me, so <laughs> all the times we've gone to our local horror convention, Scarefest... <laughs> I've always like bought a bunch of like indie films and stuff there, and then I make her watch them. So when I told her what we were doing for the podcast, she was like, uh, I guess I'll watch it too. <laughs> so here's her uh, verbatim review of Who's With Me. And I think this is good Blu-ray cover quote yeah, material. Perhaps, yeah. yeah good tag uh, better than all that shit you've bought at Scarefest. <laughs> it felt like a real movie, and it didn't have weird-ass audio issues. I love that review so much. So yeah, uh, (laughs) Tiffany, she was a fan too. And you know, I've got them a Blu-ray quote too. I I would love it if this had a Blu-ray 
But if you need a quote, you can put on there. I was more excited to talk about this than St. Maud. <laughs> Dustin, <laughs> genre exposure. <laughs> so there you go. Free publicity from us. Our opinion means nothing. <laughs> so I guess just to keep it the usual format, uh, final thoughts, Jason. Um, okay. You I, said something interesting, though. You said... Did. Of course I did. What, what did I say? In our conversations beforehand about this, you said maybe my opinion will change once we talk about something. I did. I did. So I I'm did curious to know if it did. Yes. And the more I thought about it, the more my opinion changed. Okay. Um... I like it. I would recommend it. Mm-hmm. Uh, thinking about it, I like it more. Um, talking about it with you guys, I like it more. Um, the basic premise, um, I mean, admittedly, it's not like, you know, groundbreaking. You know, sure. we've, we've seen kind of things kind of like this before. But one of the things that took me out at the beginning was that it's a lot like a movie called Await Further Instructions from 2018. Have oh, see, I, I've heard of that, but I've never watched it. Right. And the director may never have even seen this movie. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> this happens sometimes, but it begins, it's about a family trapped in their home when mysterious warnings appear on a TV screen, informing the viewers that there's been like an event and air, food and water may be poisoned and not to leave. Mm-hmm. And they even find that they've been locked inside by the strange metallic shutters that's all over the house. So that, that took me out a bit, okay. but then I just had to like, you know, shake my head and say, it's synchronicity. These things happen. I don't think it's a ripoff. Um, uh, mm. Also, I want to say before you go forward, yes. I appreciate that you're being honest because I think we don't have a lot to offer because we're not a big podcast. But the right. one thing we can give is like truly and wholeheartedly our sincerity, absolutely, our thoughts and our feelings. Yeah, I'm not going. Yeah, I have, I have nothing to gain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I would never be malicious to anyone. You know, mm-hmm. but I mean, I will give you my honest opinion. All right, please continue. Sir. Okay. All right. Um, the it's funny that Tiffany mentioned the um, audio mm-hmm. issues because I, I was feeling that at the beginning too because of Aleph's voice being so high. But the more I thought about it or being so you know front in the mix sure. and able to be heard, the more I thought about it, the more I like, okay, that makes sense because it's really in his head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and maybe I should have picked up on that sooner. Hmm. You know, I don't know. You seem to pick on that pretty quickly, Michael. I'm... But then I missed the whole stages of grief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You so, you, you know. <laughs> right. So that makes more sense. That makes me feel a little bit better. You know, I think that was intentional and pretty smart. Uh, like I said before, the, the title screens, I didn't really need. I thought mm. that was a little artificial. And I love the other natural aspects of the movie with the lighting and the editing and everything. That was great. Um, the fact that he's probably dead. I mean, yeah, that's something else we've seen quite a bit in mm-hmm. movies and stuff. But, I mean, it works. It's an interesting exploration. The fact that this was made before the pandemic hit. Yeah. Because it's obvious it's not about the pandemic, but it can be about the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty goddamn impressive, actually. Right, right. Because plenty of people, now that it's happened, they've picked up a camera sure. and gone and done something. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. Just out of sheer boredom. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, full moon <laughs> on overdrive. Right. <laughs> um, but, I mean, having said that, those few caveats... For a micro budget, you know, first feature, I think it's pretty impressive. It looks great. The editing, again, I cannot say how awesome the editing is. The lighting is great. Who's the editor? You got the IMDb page right there. Uh, Let's shout out to the editor. I thought I had wrote it down. Let's see. Film editing was also partially the director, Austin Allen James, and also Diana Weiss. Okay, cool. Okay, great. Yep. Great job, guys. And the cinematography, because there is a lot of good visuals here, Mm -hmm. was Stephen Nguyen. Yeah, I, I thought I saw Stephen Nguyen's name in there. So yeah, um, I mean it, it's a pretty impressive first feature, especially on a micro budget. It's smart. It utilizes just one apartment. You know, you keep your costs down, and again, it's it's more interesting than a lot of the big budget Hollywood yeah. movies I've yeah. been watching. Like, it's just they're so boring. They're so I'm so over it. And that's a great thing about indie cinema. It's like, and it, the, the playing field is so much more leveled now. Mm-hmm. You know, good cameras are more affordable. Yeah. You know, it just takes some ingenuity and some talent. And you, too, can make a movie, you know. And, you know, uh, this director's done that. Yeah, my, my props to them because they just went and did it. Yeah, they went and did it. And, you know, it's it's good. It's it's <laughs> it's free on YouTube. And it's <laughs> it's well worth watching. So this film is on Letterboxd. It can have a star rating. So I'm going to put you under the gun. 
Yes. Give it that star rating. Um, I give it three stars. Okay. That's pretty good the for Jason. Same as St. Maud. Same as St. Maud. That's pretty good for Jason. Which, that's a preview of the future, because this will undoubtedly come out before our St. Oh, Maud yeah. episode. Yeah, we got a while for St. Maud. <laughs> Uh, well, I really, really love this film way more than I thought I would. I think the extra context about it being more than just the pandemic really gives it a lot of layers. And I love films that are this layered and complex. Yeah, it could stand in for any number of things. And then you can really dig in so far. I thought it had great natural acting. Uh, the music's really fun. A lot of it was composed by uh, Pierce and Riley Legan. Yeah, and the music was good. Mm-hmm. Very enjoyable. The uh, insert songs, they were all very fun. Yeah. I, I, you know, I loved it start to finish and it, it clearly is a micro budget film, but I think it, that never like hampers the fun of it at all. And truly, absolutely. I want to see the next thing these people do, whatever it is. And Austin, please reach out to us again. When you've got your next feature, we'll be right there to cover it again. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely want to check it out. I uh, love this film. Thought it had a lot of depth. Everybody ought to go see this. And before I give my star rating, kind of the question I want to ask you two real quick is so earlier in the pandemic, there was this film that got very popular called Host. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a Zoom-based found footage pandemic horror film. Yeah. And it was on Shutter, and it made a big splash. So what separates this movie from that movie? Like, why couldn't this be on Shutter? Is it just that there's no connections? Because I think this would play killer on Shutter if it could get on there. I, at the end of the day... I, like, what is it? I wouldn't call it a horror film. You don't think so? I don't think this is a horror film. It's definitely genre, but not. I'm not sure I'd call it horror. I don't think it's meant to scare. Shutter goes a little wider. It does. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying it couldn't play on Shutter. It easily could. But uh, typically, Shutter does pick up more, you know, blatant mm-hmm. horror type stuff. And I just, I don't. I, don't, I, mean, I guess that's just my thing. Is I really love this, and I feel like this needs to be somewhere more than just YouTube. People should be like, you know, funneled to this. Whereas, like the bloody, disgusting article. Where's that kind of stuff? Sure, like, sure. Please get out there and see this. Yeah. Um, that said, and that. this may be like a stunningly odd rating, but I am considering the fact that this is like an indie film. It was made on a micro budget, but I actually gave this five stars because I wow. fucking cool. loved it, man. Cool. I thought it was great. Uh, awesome. Great work to all involved. You guys are awesome. Wow. Well, I'm not far off from you on that. I, I, was, I was honestly not looking forward to this. Oh, really? Um, because... I've seen so much bad indie shit Mm -hmm. and I was really worried like, okay, well it's free on YouTube. (laughs) It's one star right there at least. Yeah. It did get at least one star for being free, but I was worried because where my time is more limited now due to having a kid. Like Mm -hmm. I try to choose what I watch a lot more carefully. Granted, I still end up watching a lot of shit, (laughs) but but I was just nervous about it because I didn't like if it wasn't good. I don't want to rip somebody down, right? You know, like I want to try to be respectful and helpful. But I dug it. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Like I found myself not looking at my phone as much as I did during Mortal Kombat. <laughs> so oh, God, let's not talk about that. But I did end up, you know, and honestly, the only time I looked at my phone during it was to look at IMDb, mm-hmm. just see like, okay, who's that guy? What have they done? But and I should say, my hats off to them too with how they're trying to market this because. It's so hard to put yourself out there and open yourself up to like review and criticism. Yeah. So, you know, thank them so much for like contacting us. Absolutely. And yeah. good on them for like really just going for it and putting it out there. So I'm at four, I'm sitting at four and a half. Wow. Wow. Because I really did enjoy it. And I, I'm also really a big sucker for movies about like death and grief and like mm-hmm. those speak to me pretty heavily. That's like half of our selection so far, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. But those are things I struggle with. A lot personally, so it's it doesn't make me feel so alone in those struggles when I see other people putting that into their yeah, art right. of their own, you know, takes on these things. So, yeah, there are things that I that didn't work for me and think, but all of it, but most of it did. Yeah. And the only thing that that didn't work for me were just some of the times where you needed to advance the plot and it didn't feel as natural. Mm-hmm. So I get that. That's a that's a hard thing to do. And I think what'll fix that is just more experience. Just yeah. write more direct more shoot more like my comment to you is i want to see what these guys can do with money oh hell yeah <laughs> like hell yeah. if they actually had a little bit of money to work I, with i don't know we say that but then we get directors that get a lot of money and they just do shit because oh i don't want them to they, get a lot sold of sold out to the corporation i don't want them to stuff. get a lot of money yet like let's hold up i want up. them like, to be able to eat 
and and afford some nice things. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but don't get too successful because then you you just give up all of your talent. But it it'd be cool like. to see them stretch into some slightly different genres. Like, yeah, there's like five genres listed as to what this movie is, just to pick up on the YouTube algorithms. But like. It'd be cool to see you really do a sci-fi film, mm-hmm. like, or see you really delve into a horror film, or you know, whatever your next choice would be. But like, I mean, it, and it, it's another testament to to Austin Allen James's what's the word I'm looking foresight? for? Foresight, vision, foresight, vision, um, acumen, chutzpah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a relatively short running time, does not overstay its welcome. Right. He's not trying to do something beyond his grasp. I think he was intimately aware of what he had the means to make, and he he designed something that was meant for those parameters. Yeah, exactly. And how many of those crappy horror films that your girlfriend talked about (laughs) were were horror movies where they just try to have all these spectacular gore effects, but they don't have the money. They don't have the budget. They don't have the money. They They don't don't realize they're they're reaching beyond their grasp. Right, right. And he's smart enough not to do this, the director Mm. of this movie. And that's very commendable. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm sitting at a solid four and a half. Nice. I'd actually like to watch it again after our conversation just to see what else I get from it. Yeah, I know I'll go back, especially just to show friends and stuff. Oh, for sure. So, yeah, I think that, and that's kind of the point of this, that why we do this whole thing is to sit around and talk about movies and see what maybe we didn't pick on that somebody else did, and then we go back and watch it with a different set of lenses on and then see how does it make me feel now. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, yeah. So, uh, thank you to Austin Allen James for reaching out to us. Yeah, yeah, super cool. He surprised the hell out of me, and I'm glad that you did. Very much so. And please let us know when you've got something else. We'd love to review it as well. If you're an aspiring filmmaker, indie filmmaker, and you've got something like this too, and you want more eyes to look at it, we will be glad to watch it and review it and do an episode and cover it. Give you our brutal honesty. Yep. We can't offer much, but we can on- offer our honesty and our sincerity. And our impeccable taste. So just hit us up on any kind of social, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email us at genreexposure at gmail.com. We want to watch your movies. We want to promote them and get them out there yeah. and share the love. Yeah, super Damn fun right. episode, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. And you've been listening to Genre Exposure. Bye, everyone. Take care. Take care.